Open your Bibles, if you would now, to the book of 1 John. 1 John chapter number 2. And just by way of uh, illustrating uh, what we're going to be looking at this morning, I had a young man one day uh, excited uh, uh, about something that he had learned in Scripture during his devotions. And he came come running to me, wanting to show me what he had gotten. He had been growing closer to the Lord through all of this. He gets to me, and he says, Mr. Lake, I want to show you something that I got in devotions. And he opened his Bible, and he started to show me. And another young man reached over, grabbed his Bible, lifted it up, saw what was on the, uh, on the edge. It wasn't the version that he preferred. He put it down, and he said, well, that's not a real Bible. He said, that's not, that, that's not the Word of God. I watched as this young man's face went from lit up ex- excitement. The light just went away. It was as if somebody came into the camp and poured a bucket of cold water on the fire, and it was gone. Nothing I could do, no no talking, no coercing, no encouraging, could bring that fire back. There was another young man several years before that that had sat down and had worked on writing a song. The Lord had gotten a hold of his heart, and he had written a song for the Lord. And he was playing it, and he wanted to play it for the church. And he wanted to introduce it to the choir leader. And he wanted the choir leader to take this song and see if maybe they could introduce it to the choir themselves. And one of the other guys in the Sunday school class looked at him and he said, that's contemporary music, it's not fit for church worship. Watch this young man's fire extinguished. Beloved, I wanted to start it this way because if you don't know someone who has had their fire put out, maybe you're the one putting them out. I've had to look in my own life through the years as I have experienced these things and I've had to learn to bite my tongue, to pull myself back, to, with, to refrain myself. And there are so many things that happen as we get into uh, 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 the, the life of the church and the life of worship that we've got to learn to put ourselves on the back burner and understand who it is that we have come to worship. Way too often, we make the worship of God about me, myself, and I, and that's the only trinity that ever enters into the, into the equation. We have come here this morning for one purpose and one purpose alone. It is to raise high the name of Jesus. To lift it high. To lift high the One who saved us. To make Him the focal point. To sing songs about Him. To sing songs unto Him. To hear about Him. To read of Him. To praise Him. To talk to Him. Not me. Not me. But so often we make everything about ourselves. It's time for us, church, and I'm not saying that there's, I'm not trying to be negative. I, I promise I do the best that I can to never use this as a whipping post. I promise you, if the day ever comes that I'm using this as a whipping post, there'll be a white haired pastor from, uh, from up in Ohio that will make the, the thousand mile drive to come down here and whip me on the whipping post. 
I don't do that. But I see way too much in the church of the living God today where we have allowed Antichrist doctrine to permeate. And it's time for us to get it right. There's no accusation being made. So before anybody gets upset, or the pastor thinks we know, no more so than the Apostle John when he was writing 1 John chapter 2 was accusing that church of anything. He was trying to warn them. And this is the heart that I'm bringing this morning. A heart of warning and preparation. We talked last week about preparing ourselves to never fall away from the faith. Uh, how to prepare ourselves for endurance. And John mentions here uh, in these few verses, he mentions how these antichrists went away. And he draws a sharp distinction here between true believers and everyone else. Stand with me, if you would, for the reading of the Word of God, if you're able. And let's take a look, starting in verse number 18. Where the Lord there says, Little children, it is the last time. And as ye have heard that Antichrist shall come, even now are there many Antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out, that they might be made manifest, that they were not all of us. But ye have an unction from the Holy One, and ye know all things. I have not written unto you because ye know not the truth, but because ye know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Well, who is a liar? But he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ. He is Antichrist that denieth the Father and the Son. Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father, but he that acknowledgeth the Son hath the Father also. Uh, pause for station identification for just a moment. If you read the King James, you're going to notice that, that that last half of that verse is in the italics. That is because in the Greek, the statement that is made prior to that assumes the reverse is true as well. But you can make it a pointed statement by simply saying this, Whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. Period. End of statement. No more needs to be said. Look at verse 24 with me. Let that therefore abide in you which ye have heard from the beginning. If that which ye have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, ye also shall continue in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that He hath promised us, even eternal life. These things have I written unto you concerning them that seduce you. But the anointing which ye have received of Him abideth in you, and ye need not that any man teach you. But as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it has, uh, hath taught you, ye shall abide in Him. And now, little children, abide in Him, that when He shall appear, we may have confidence and not be ashamed before Him at His coming. Father, bless now we pray the reading of Your Word. 
And Father, we commit our hearts to its application. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I would like to spend just a moment this morning looking at this a little closer. Specifically, what the difference is between those who are anti-Christ and those who are, uh, to put it a, a different way, pro-Christ. Right? Uh, that's a little more modern vernacular, I guess. Uh, it's important that we learn what anti-Christ truly means and what it truly is to be anti-Christ so that we can guard ourselves from this kind of influence. Sadly, in many churches today, uh, there are many who try their best uh, to enter in and peddle their wares, and, and sometimes they are able to come in, they start to sow seeds of uh, false doctrine, start to sow seeds of discord, but then there are other times where they try to come in and they don't have success and they move on quickly. And what we want is for whenever those false doctrines start to creep into the church, we want to be able to identify them, to be able to not allow them to take root in our, in our, uh, our midst, and we want to see them move on. Now, the greatest thing would be if we saw those individuals who came in and started to peddle this, uh, these uh, false doctrines, to see them come to hear truth, and realize that what they have been believing all this time is false, and then they too get saved and become part of the body of Christ. My former pastor was telling me once about a, uh, uh, a gentleman that came in. He was preaching on the deity of Christ, and there was a gentleman that came in and sat on the front row. He would come in right as church began, and he would leave. As soon as church was, as the last amen, man, he bolted for the door and got out. And this happened, and Pastor said, well, I, I wanted to go meet him. I never had the opportunity. And he said, finally, after several weeks of this, he said, I made a beeline. I asked somebody else to pray, and I made a beeline for the door, and I caught him as he was walking out, put my hand out. God bless you. It's so good to see you. Week after week, not getting to meet this guy, come to find out he was a Mormon. And he was taking copious notes to try to prove him wrong. But guess what happened? He sat through the preaching and teaching of the Word of God and came to know Christ. That's the hope and that's the desire. But it's important for us to, to understand what it is, what this anti-Christ spirit truly is. If you look there in verse, uh, verse 18, little children, it's the last time you have heard that anti-Christ shall come. Even now there are many anti-Christs. And so it's important for us to understand what these antichrists are. Uh, we looked at it in passing a little bit last week, but this week I really want to kind of dig in a little bit deeper. First, how do we really know who is antichrist and who is not antichrist? And so we want to kind of dig into that a little bit. The first thing that you're going to notice is that the antichrist, the first mark of antichrist is defection. It's defection. If you look there in verse 19, it says they went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. I made this uh, comment last week. I've made it before and I'll make it again. I am not talking about people who are born again by the Spirit of God and who are attending a local New Testament church and feel the Lord calling them and maybe relocating them to another church. That happens. It happened to me. Because I left 
uh, the church in northeast Ohio to come to this does not mean that I'm anti-Christ for leaving that body because if I had been of them, I would have stayed. No, 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 no. That's a misappropriation of the passage. And so it's important for us to understand what's being said. Uh, there have been times in, in our life, uh, I remember my parents when I was 12 years old, felt God nudging them to another church in the same town. And uh, their pastor, when they talked to him about it, dad was talking to him, and he says, he started chuckling. He said, I guess I should have prayed for that pastor to get more workers, just not out of my church. And it's okay. Believe me, there's not, uh, this is not what uh, the, the Apostle John is talking about when, when God takes and He relocates this family who has a specific set of gifts and this pastor over here is in need of those gifts for that church to be able to get everything right and God says, hey, I'm going to relocate you and put you over here. The, the, those, those things happen. I've heard people preach that you should never leave a church unless the pastor's caught in sin. or so. Stop. God's able to uproot a pastor from one state to another. He's able to uproot a deacon, a Sunday school teacher, or a piano player from one church to another. We need to quit being so harsh with people. Well, they went out from us because they were not of us. Probably not even saved. Paul, oh, back the choo-choo train up there, Pharisaic Phil. It's not time to go down these roads. So the first mark is simply apostasy. A true believer will not apostatize. Now, what that means in apostasy, uh, 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 to go apostate, is to turn your back on the faith. That's what he's talking about. Someone to back out, uh, who once upon a time claimed to be born again by the Spirit of God, claimed to be a child, but now they give up true doctrine and they cling to false doctrine. That's what he's talking about. People that say, well, I used to go to churches like you do, but then I came to a place where I outgrew that. And my spirituality got even further along. And now I'm in a true church. And one day, you ever heard that? Somebody will say something to the effect of, one day when you get to the level that I'm at, whatever happened to poor in spirit, one day when you get as smart as me, Okay, well, praise God. Pray for me. <laughs> I'm just stupid, I guess. I just read the Bible, and if the Bible says X, Y, Z, I take it to mean X, Y, Z. <laughs> I didn't know you had to have a, a philosophy degree to figure this stuff out. God has a purpose, though, that He expressed in their defection. He allowed them to come and allowed them to be defective or to turn their back. Notice why. It says in verse 19, they went out from us, but they were not of us. If they, had been, uh, if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us. But they went out that they might be made manifest that they were not all of us. People that turn their back on the faith in this way understand this unequivocally. need your prayers. They need your prayers. If you've been in church any amount of time, you know that there come times, sadly, when people fall by the wayside. There are times where that one out of the 99 goes astray. That happens. And it's time for us, who are born again by the Spirit of God, which feel that we're more spiritual, to restore such a one. To go hunt them down. To chase them down. And not to try to browbeat them, but to love them back into the fold. 
help them see the errors. Now, I understand that there, there are times where they're not going to see it. I get it. But how much are we praying for them? Those people who left the faith. Are we quick to talk about them with everybody else? Oh, you would have no... They've got themselves a yogi now. They're sitting around meditating all the time. They're sitting around... Stop. Stop. Quit gossiping and start praying. And, and let's be really careful about this. Well, I'm sharing my prayer request. No, you're not. You're gossiping. How many times have you heard gossip dressed up as a, as a prayer request? We need to pray for this person. Oh, really? What's, what, what, why? Is everything okay? Oh, you haven't heard? Let me tell you. Let me tell you. You didn't know? That's all I'm going to say. Come on! You know, whatever happened to praying in your closet, my closet's big. My closet's big, yeah. And there's a lot of people in my closet, and I'm trying to pray with them in my alone, in secret. Come on. Come on. You know, people that turn their back on the faith, they need your prayer. They need the blinders of the God of this world. They need those blinders to be removed. They need the hardness of their hearts to be softened. They, they need the Holy Spirit of God to affect them. But we must also recognize them for what they are. Those who you've gone to them in love, you've tried to help them see truth, and they reject, 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 reject. We need to understand the truth of these individuals. They are against Christ. They're antichrist. We need to recognize this. Those who claim to be once born again by the Spirit of God, yet claim of uh, yet cling to a false preaching, uh, teaching, uh, they are uh, they are antichrist, which means that they are against Him, against Him. But why do they leave? Why don't they just stay there and continue making trouble? Well, sadly, sometimes they do. Sadly, sometimes they stay there, and it's that bad penny that keeps turning up, and you you really wish you know. Can you make a joyful noise somewhere else? You know. But they, they're the ones that just stay like a bad penny. But thankfully, many times, when they find that they're not going to be able to sow their seeds of discord, they leave. You know, I've had a couple pastors, my, uh, my senior, uh, I'd, I'd have people that uh, they would come in, they would make waves, and you'd try and you'd try to help teach and help them learn. And then finally they would leave, and you'd be like, man, I wish I could have gotten into them. And then I had a couple of my pastor mentors would tell me, let them go. Let them go. There are times, and I'm sure your husband can say this as well, there are times when you go bring the problems back. Just, just let them go. But why do they leave? Well, because the Antichrist leaves when the light is shined on the darkness. You know, there are, there are two reasons that, uh, that sometimes people would leave a church. And I'm not, I'm not, listen, I just told you a moment ago, I'm not trying to contradict my previous statement. I'm just giving you two reasons, not the only two reasons. But there are times when people will leave a church for Antichrist situations. First is when there's darkness in the church. 
and someone is attending a church and they start to realize there's darkness in this place, I need to get out. But then there are, the reverse happens as well. There are times when a person comes in and finds out there's light in this church and my darkness can't stay hidden. That's the testimony I want to Buckingham Baptist. This place is lit up. I don't know about you. Yeah, that's right, kids. We get this place lit, right? That's right. We won't get woke, but we will get lit, right? Sorry, I had to put that in there. Well, I, so, so they leave, but let, let's understand their love of darkness in this. Understand that the Word of God, the Holy Spirit of God, shines, and as He is shining, He exposes different things that need to be, cha- need to be changed. You know the old saying, turn on the light and the cockroaches scatter. We want the light as much as we possibly can have. You know where you get the light? Two places. This book and these knees. That's where you get the light. If you want the power of God in this pulpit, then you need to be on your knees. If you can do one thing for me, if you, people have asked me in the past, what can I do for you, Pastor? Get on your knees. Get on your knees. Before you ever come alongside me in another ministry, get on your knees. Before you ever buy me a Christmas gift, get on your knees. Before you put that money in the offering plate, get on your knees. Get on your knees. That's the only place that we're going to get the power of God. On our knees and in His Word. And they work simultaneously. Miss Grace asked me last week, if you only had time for one, which one would it be? And I love the response. I never had been asked that before, honestly. Never been asked that. So where, which one? If you only had time for one. Both. Sacrifice something else, beloved. Sacrifice an hour of sleep. Go to work late and tell your boss to deal with it. I don't know. Whatever you guys. Yeah, everybody's going to be like, oh, Lord, here we go. Now, when you go to work late, don't go in and say, my pastor told me. That was a joke, okay? But number two, let's look at something else here in this, the false doctrine that the apostates teach. Now, we know the truth and we know the error because we have the Holy Spirit dwelling in us. Notice what it says here in verse number 20. It says, but ye have an unction from the Holy One and ye know all things. <laughs> now, <laughs> Stop for a minute. Just because you get saved don't make you a know-it-all. Alright? Well, these Christians, man, they're pretty proud of themselves. They think they know everything. That's not what John is talking about. As a matter of fact, he even goes into it a little bit more. He says, uh, uh, look at verse 27. But the anointing which ye have received of him abideth in you, and ye need not that any man teach you. But as the same anointing teacheth you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it hath taught you, ye shall abide in him. Here's what the apostle is trying to get across. 
He's not saying that you already have attained all knowledge. It's in your brain. You're good to go. You don't have to study anymore. You don't need a teacher. You don't need a preacher. There are some people that will take this passage and say, we don't need anyone to teach. We just get together every Sunday and we talk about what we have learned ourselves. That's not what he is saying. What he's saying is you have all knowledge. You have it. You don't need man's opinions to be added to it. You don't need man to teach you things when you have the Holy Spirit of God and the Word of God. That's what you need. In, in Bible study, I have come to the place and, and, and I try to encourage anybody who is putting together a lesson or a message, before you crack open a commentary, read the Word. Before you start digging in to find out what Matthew Henry says or what John Calvin says or John MacArthur says, get into the Word of God. Read it over and over and over and over and let the Holy Spirit of God that dwells in you teach you from His Word. We get so wrapped up in, well, this pastor once said, I don't care what the pastor said unless it's based in Scripture. That's what I want. I want the Word of God. Well, let's take a look at just a few things that they have. I'll, I'll, I'm not going to make this an exhaustive study, but I want to tell you just some of the things that were antichrist that were going on at that time. Number one, they attack sound doctrine of Scripture about the person of Jesus Christ. Realize this. The person of Jesus Christ is where it centers. And they, they attack His bodily approach. His coming in the flesh. It says, um, uh, look at verse twenty, but we have, or verse twenty-one. I have not written unto you because you know not the truth, but because you know it, and that no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar? But he that denieth that Jesus is the Christ. He is antichrist and denieth the Father and the Son. Whoso denieth the Father, the same hath not. Or whosoever denieth the Son, the same hath not the Father. They deny that He came bodily. This was a popular Gnostic teaching from back in that day. They said, no, He didn't come as a body. He only came in His spiritual form. He was an apparition of some sort. He didn't have a fleshly body. Beloved, He was 100% man. And He was 100% God. Because that was one of the other attacks. That He came physically, He was 100% man. But He wasn't God. So that not only do people attack his humanity and they try to reduce his humanity in some way, they try to attack his deity and reduce his deity. They say that he wasn't God. He wasn't equal with the Father. He was created. Does that sound familiar? My, my wife cringes. We'll pull up in front of a library. We were on vacation in Niagara Falls. And there was the sign. Free Bible study. And the initials J.W. And I get excited. There's something in me that just gets excited. They want a free Bible study. They're asking for it. Free Bible study? I'd love to give you one. And so I show up. Let's talk. And she's like, oh, we're going to be here for a while. a captive audience and they're requesting and when's the last time you had someone say come give me a bible study i'm your man and the first thing i say is let's talk 
And the one thing I need to understand because I've read a lot, and what I want to know is who is Jesus? That's where we need to start. <laughs> and they'll start to say, well, you know, Jesus was, Jesus was the Son of God. Yeah, I agree with that. And, the, and, and John, and it, you really blow them away when you quote from their Bible. And, he's like, and John 1 1, in your Bible, John 1 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was a God. And they go, That's right, you said it right. And I'm like, Well, we'll discuss that part later. But that's what your Bible says. And I said, Is he a legitimate God? Well, what do you mean? It, it, does he. You don't believe he's Jehovah. I get that. But is he a legitimate God? And you'll eventually get them to, yes, he's a legitimate God. When did he receive his deity? I don't don't know. Can we at least come back to, I don't know, around creation time? Well, sure, we'll say that. Well, that's wonderful. You know Isaiah chapter 43? And they'll love that because that's where they get their verse. You know, ye are his witnesses, ye are my witnesses, saith Jehovah. And then we'll take them right there. Look what it says. You are my witnesses, saith Jehovah. But you know what else it says? Jehovah says, I am God alone. There is no God before me. There will be none after me. I am the only Savior. So if Jesus is a legitimate God, Jehovah just lies. Or He was mistaken, which makes your Jehovah not that strong. And if you're trusting in Jesus as the Savior, Jehovah says, I'm the only Savior. You see, that's in their Bible. That's in their book. It's not difficult to combat false doctrine when you have true doctrine. Get in the Word. Study it. Some of the other things, uh, every world religion says, uh, uh, many other world religions um, Uh, But every one of them that say that Jesus was a prophet, just a prophet, is antichrist. You know, I don't care if it was fact or fiction. It wasn't fact. I know it was a fictional book. But the Da Vinci Code is antichrist trying to prove that Jesus is not. I don't care what you say as far as if it's... Well, it's just a fictional work. It's setting out to try to disprove Christ. It's against Him. Now, does it make for good reading? I I guess. Tom Hanks made millions in a movie. Does it make it true? No. No. You know, it's not even even on the uh, externals as well. We have it right within mainstream Christianity. You know, there are preachers that teach modalism modalism is the belief that there is no triune God. The Godhead doesn't exist. The Trinity doesn't exist. What they teach is that God reveals Himself as the Father in certain times. Other times He reveals Himself as the Son. And other times He reveals Himself as the Holy Spirit. There's not three persons. There's only one person in the Godhead. That's modalism. That's not true. It's not accurate. There's one being seen in three persons. And people can say, well, that doesn't make any sense. Yes, it does. Am I a dog? Don't answer that too quickly. Be careful. 
Am I a cat? Am I a horse? No. I'm. Somebody tell me, what am I? Human. Human what? Human being, right? Are you human beings? But we're not the same person, are we? We are the same being, different persons. And marriage is a beautiful picture of that because you have the husband and you have the wife coming together in unity. And that's what the Bible teaches in the two shall become one flesh. He's not talking about relationships sexually. What he's talking about is the unity and the oneness that is to take place there. And that's the beautiful picture. This life was going in one direction. This life was going in one direction. And they came together to unite. And now that it's, it's two different lives, two different people living in one direction. The oneness that's spoken of in Genesis chapter 2 is the same oneness spoken of in Deuteronomy 6. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. It's a unity, which means God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit are always in agreement. They're always united. They are never, never having to convince one another of anything. It's seen beautifully in Genesis 1.26 where he says, let us make man in our image. They agreed. They gave one another permission. Let's do it. Denying the work of Jesus Christ is anti-Christ. Denying the very work. Denying His completion, His sufficiency to attach anything to the finished work of Jesus Christ is anti-Christ. For by grace are you saved through faith. Not of yourselves. It doesn't matter how much money you put in the offering plate. Doesn't matter which Bible you carry around. Doesn't matter which kind of music you listen to. Doesn't matter what you do in the secrets of your own home. Doesn't matter what you do as you approach the church. Doesn't matter whether you're married, you're single, you're male, you're female, you're Jew, you're Greek. The only thing that matters is if you've experienced the grace of God. That's it. To add anything to that is to diminish the work of Christ, and that is anti-Christ. It's against Christ. But in the, in the New Testament, anti-Christ is used two ways. One means against or in opposition to. The other, catch this, instead of. Or in addition to. Another. Remember Paul talking about if anyone preaches another gospel, this is not another. There's only one gospel. There is one gospel on which I stand. One. And so we can look at these in many different ways, and many times you've got these people who put out this fake, uh, and they're trying to make themselves look like the real thing, trying to make themselves look like the same thing. Many antichrists are people trying to present themselves as the real deal, but they're not the genuine article. They're not. They are counterfeit. If you drop down into verse uh, 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 chapter number 5 of 1 John, look at 1 John chapter 5, look at the very end. Look at verse 20, it says, And we know that the Son of God is come and hath given us an understanding that we may know Him that is true. And we are in Him that is true. Even in His Son, Jesus Christ, this is the true God and eternal life. Catch that. Jesus Christ, 
the true God, eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. Almost seems like he just, oh yeah, and one other thing. Keep yourselves from idols, right? No. Any Jesus that is not the true Jesus of Scripture is an idol. There are a lot of people who have made idols out of false Jesuses. And so we're worshiping Jesus, not the same Jesus. Your Jesus isn't God, mine is. It's not the same Jesus, that's a false idol. So protection from these. How do, how do, we, how do we protect ourselves? Well, the best way to protect against false teachers is to earnestly contend for the faith. Beloved, I'm not going to contend for a political party. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to contend for a preference. I'm not going to contend for a style. You know what I will contend for? Right doctrine. And the faith that we find in His Son. It's the same thing with this worship idea. Listen, we, we worship Him. And I will contend for that. I, we're not going to make the worship of God about ourselves. We're going to make it about Him. And we're going to keep it right there. So the best way to protect is by contending for it. The beauty and the simplicity of the gospel has been ruined by antichrists. Since the beginning of the church age, the true test of proper doctrine centers around one thing and one thing alone, the person of Jesus Christ. That's where, that's where it centers. Simply put, what is it that the church should be teaching? We find that in Romans chapter 5. Look there with me real quick, and we're going to start to make our close. Romans chapter number 5. Look at verse 6 with me, please. <clears throat> For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. <laughs> but God commendeth. Now that word commendeth. It's one of my favorite words in all of Scripture. It's a word that we don't really understand today. But if you go to a jewelry store today, you leave this place and head to a nice expensive jewelry store and you walk in and say, Will you show me that diamond necklace? They're going to pull that diamond necklace out. They're going to take it over to a steamer. And they're going to clean it, get it polished up. They're going to use that little oiled rag, and they're going to get it polished up, shiny. And then they're not just going to come over and hand it to you. They're going to place it on a black velvet pillow of some sort. They're going to present it to you in the most beautiful way possible so that you can see every single sparkle. That's what that word means. But God put on parade His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through 
him. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we now receive the atonement. Understand this, the simplicity of the gospel is so beautiful, yet so profound. It's all have sinned. Every single one of us. Guess what? That means you too. Beloved, if you haven't figured this out yet, you ain't perfect. Neither am I. And because of our sin, we have been alienated from God. Sin prevents us from having a relationship with our Heavenly Father. I am racked with sin, so how in the world can I enjoy fellowship with God? Well, because Jesus came as an all-sufficient sacrifice, and when I was that sinner, that filthy, rotten sinner, an enemy of God, He died for me. Man, that's beautiful. But not only that, but God keeps those who are reconciled. Look back again at verse number 10. For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. You know that word for saved? It's not just talking about justification. It's talking about saving as in like a savings account. Keeping. We are secured by the life of His Son. Listen, He died for you and He lives today for you. This ought to, somebody needs to wave a hand to you. Because I'm about to go back to Costal and I might have to run a couple laps around the building and come back in here and finish this. The word there, sozo, Jesus says it this way. You ready for this? All that the Father hath given me, I will lose none. None. For anyone to say anything else, just uncivilized. And it's Antichrist. It's Antichrist. All three are active in salvation. Realize this. Whenever we take the focus off of the love of God or the work of Jesus Christ or the keeping power of the Holy Spirit, we put it on ourselves. Any, any sort of Antichrist teaching originates by taking the idea and the focus off of Jesus and putting it on you. Well, I know Jesus can save me, but I have to keep it wrong. You can't save yourself. You can't keep yourself. It's Him. It's Him. Beloved, let me encourage you this way. Do you want to worship Him? Then welcome home. Welcome home. Do you want to worship your way? That's Antichrist. Do you want to worship what you like? That's Antichrist. It's against Him. Anything that is against my progression toward God. Now understand this. Understand this. The Pharisees were guilty of it. Jesus said it this way. You have put heavy chains about people. You have weighed them down with the rules and the regulations. And we're not much different in today's day in church. 
If you want to be saved, you need to do this and this and this and this and this and this. And if you're not tithing and you're not wearing the right clothes or you're not, you're not doing this or doing whatever it may be, that's, not, that, that's antichrist. That's against him. It's against the truth. Because it's all, the focus is now on you and what you can do. So where is your focus this morning? Where is your focus? This is how we protect from doctrine. By keeping our focus right. Keeping it on Jesus Christ. Beloved, Antichrists will come in, they will hear truth, and they will want to leave. And the more we shed light on the truths of Scripture, the less room there is for any foolishness to happen. When they know that you are interested in glorifying Jesus, praising the Father, and living in the power of the Holy Spirit, they move on. Anybody that wants to browbeat you into submission, they're not of God. They're not of God. Unless you do this, and you need to be doing this, and you need to be doing... No, 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 no. That's not the way Christ works. You know how Christ works? Follow me. Just come on. He doesn't grab you by the nape of your neck and drag you along. Come on. Follow me. Follow me. Just stay in step with me. Follow me. That's the way Paul did it. He said, follow me. I'm following him. To follow me while I follow him. And that's my call to you today. Just follow him. No man's rules. No man's opinions. Don't come to me with, yeah, well, I remember a pastor once upon a time saying, well, if it's anything other than follow Jesus, study His Word, lean on the Holy Spirit, praise the Father. Doesn't matter. Follow Him. What are you conforming or contending for? Are you contending for a style or a program or some sort of social activity? Are you contending for the faith? Beloved, let's make worship about Him, not about us. Jude said it this way in Jude 21 and 20 through 23. He said, Keeping yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto death, unto eternal life. And if some have compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear. Just contend for the faith. Not your preferences. For the faith. Father, we bow before You because of all the things that You have done for us. We bow before You. We bend our knees to the Lord Jesus Christ of whom the whole family in heaven and in earth is named. That He would grant to us according to the riches of His glory to be strengthened by might and by His Spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in our hearts by faith and that we would be rooted and grounded in this love.
that we may be able to comprehend all that the saints, uh, with all the saints, the, the very breadth and length and depth and height. And to know the love of Christ, which passes all knowledge, that we would be filled with the fullness of God. Now unto Him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or think. To the only wise God, unto Him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all the ages, throughout this world, without end. Amen.